Welcome to episode 126 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. My name is Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patsy the Angry Nerd. And uh, we are broadcasting here from Castle Wolfenstein in lovely Necronomicon, Massachusetts. And uh, I am joined, as always, by my co-host in life and in podcasting, the real housewife of Transylvania, the mistress of Merlot and the Michael Phelps of wine, ladies and gentlemen, Ashes Von Nightmare. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. Oh, yeah, that was like today. Yeah, it was like today. It's earlier than usual this year. Which is a perfect time for this episode. It is. So you can eat dinner with your family. Yes. And then come listen to us talk a little F is for family. That's right. And we are, of course, joined by the hardest working man in podcasting, the man with the velvet voice, ladies and gentlemen, Johnny Wolfenstein. Hello, everyone. That was Johnny. That's me. And uh, we have a very special guest this week. Yes. Um, because we're talking F is for family, we actually have one of the writers, producers, and co-creator of F is for family. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back Mr. Mike Price. Mike, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you guys? Happy it. Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I hope you had a great <laughs> Thanksgiving day today. Oh, I just I just came up with our our, our episode title. F is for Thanksgiving. F, F is for Thanksgiving. <laughs> oh, yes. I like it. I like it. All right. So, uh Mike, how have you been? You uh, you uh it's been a while, but you were you were on with us a while ago. We talked some Krusty the Clown back in uh, late March, early April. That's right. And uh You've got the premiere of F is for Family coming up. Um, that's coming up yes, next. Yes, November 30th, Friday the 30th of November. A week from tomorrow. So you that's have correct. time to binge watch right. the first two seasons. It will drop like everything on Netflix. It will come out more or less at the stroke of midnight, Thursday the 29th into Friday the 30th. If you live in, uh, in California like I do. So just figure it out from where you are. You guys are on the East Coast. That's right. So it'll be like 3 o'clock in the morning your time uh, when it comes out. Well, it looks like I'm not going to work Friday the 30th. <laughs> <laughs> the, best, the, 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 best, the best people to have this Netflix schedule is someone who like lives in England or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 8 o'clock in the morning there or something like that. So, But that's how it works. So we'll come out literally at the stroke of midnight on uh, Friday night. Uh, California time, Los Angeles time. Perfect. And then to take that around the world, wherever that is. So, yes, we're very excited. We are so excited about this season, and I can't even tell you. We can't wait for everybody to see it. Now, uh, this is uh, – uh, we, we discussed this briefly off air, but this is kind of like a perfect storm of events, uh, so to speak, because you're joining us today. Next, uh, last week, we had Miles on. We talked a little bit about some of our favorite characters from this show. Uh, next week, the show drops, season three drops. And then that following Monday uh, is your appearance with uh, Miles and Richie on The Best Darn Diddly to talk a little radioactive man. That's right. So, like Miles said, you you, you got a busy schedule coming up if you want to catch right. up on it. all our stuff. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I mean, that's you're a, you're a busy right. guy as it is. Fairly busy, yes, fairly busy. So, but uh, I always make time for you guys. Well, and I we I appreciate really appreciate that. it. Like we really do. I know you're you're super busy, and 
you know, you're you're doing a lot. You know, you've, you're working on The Simpsons. You're working on F is for Family. Yes. Um, do and, you sleep at all? Yes, I do. I do. I, <laughs> yeah. I squeeze. I squeeze it in. Yeah, I'm like a vampire. I just sleep. <laughs> uh, no, I do. I do. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm currently working at the. I just finished working at the Simpsons just now. Uh, today and uh, you know, uh, the Simpsons has been so wonderful. I've been there, you know, for many years now. And when Ephesus Family first came around, um, I was a little trepidatious about talking about like you know. I I, I hoped I wouldn't have to leave because I love it here and it's such a great job and a great show, but uh, they were really nice to me and they let me take these little kind of uh, sabbaticals, I guess you might call them, where I go away for a little while and work on Epis for Family and then I come back. So um, we finished writing season three of Epis for Family last year. Uh, right around this time was when we finished writing the first, you know, we, we finished writing, uh, putting into production episode 10, of season three, right around this time of year last year. Uh, and it takes a long time to make the episodes. And so, uh, then I went back to the Simpsons. So I've been back to the Simpsons more or less full time for a year since then. And, uh, if we get picked up for a fourth season, which we hope we will, then I may have to ask them if I can do that, do this again. And hopefully they'll say yes. Well, I mean, I, w- I wouldn't, have, uh, imagine they wouldn't. I mean, you are an incredibly talented guy that, you know, they definitely want to keep around, you know, this is, Oh, a- thank you. Yeah, you're, you're very welcome. <laughs> um, Thanks. No, it's great. It's been great, and they're they're they've been really wonderful and very supportive, and uh, uh, it's been really great. Now, anybody who doesn't know, uh, Mike, you are on Twitter, and you yeah. post some awesome stuff, um, especially during baseball season, uh, because we know you yes. you love the Mets, but uh, I do. They don't seem to love anybody back. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's a tough, it's a tough road being a Mets fan. You know, not as tough as some other teams, like uh, let's say the Padres or somebody like that, who's, who've never won a World Series, or Seattle Mariners have never been to a World Series. But it's still, it's rough because you're in the same city as the Yankees, who continually are, you know, in the thick of it, and you know, and the Mets just fine. They always find some way to shoot themselves in the foot. So. Uh, Except in 1986, I remember that. Yeah, they beat. I forget who they beat in 1986. I'm trying to remember who who they beat in the. Yeah. I think most of us blocked that one out. <laughs> but you guys have won it four times since then. Four times. That was the last time the Mets won the World Series was 32 years ago. So you know, you just won it just now, a well, week and a half ago. Hey, so hey, Mike, okay. I'll I'll give you one of those championships if you guys give us Jacob Degrom, even trade, oh, right? Man. Never, never, never. <laughs> it's well, so funny. My son, my son is a big baseball fan. Um, he's in college now, but w- you know we watch baseball. We watch the baseball channel a lot, MLB channel. Mm-hmm. And during the off season, they always rerun uh, the Ken Burns baseball documentary. Mm-hmm. And so th- that was made originally in like the mid '90s, I think, uh, before the Red Sox. You know, when the Red Sox were still cursed by the Bambino and everything. And so there's all this stuff about with all these talking heads by like Doris Kearns Goodwin and I forget who else, Mike Barnacle, whatever, all these Boston guys mm-hmm. all like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> the Red Sox never won. And like, they've won like four times by now. So it's like, they can just be quiet and get over themselves. Yeah. And that's, that's the we, thing. We always, we always mock them like, ah, you know, and especially when they show 75, I'm going to oh. go on a little bit when they show 75, right. Which was an amazing world series, but it's all, 
uh, in that show is all from the point of view of the sad, tragic, sad, mournful Red Sox fan. When the Reds, who hadn't hadn't won a World Series in like 35 years, when they won that World Series in 75, people in Cincinnati were ecstatic. But they didn't show anything about how happy the people in Cincinnati were. <laughs> about how the poor, sad Doris Kern Goodwins were all crying and they're – in their Boston beers. So it's like, get over it. Now you've won four times. So just move on and be happy that you're a great team. Yeah. There just, you go. just think End about it. Just think about that though. Like if you are, you know, you're somebody who grew up, you know, like my dad, you know, born in the mid fifties, you know, you have to see 75 and, and 67 and 86 and 2003. And like, finally you break through. <laughs> But if you're 18, 21 right now and right. you live you've in never Indiana, known, you've never known a, time, a bad time to be a Red Sox. Fan. You've got you've got eight Super Bowl appearances, five <laughs> wins, four World <laughs> Series, an yeah, NBA championship true. and an NHL championship. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, exactly. I, w- I do need to know one thing, though. Yes. When the Sox played the Yankees, were you rooting for the Sox against the Yankees? Of course. All right. Oh, my God. I would root. I would root for, uh, I don't know, I would root maybe for, like, Al-Qaeda if they were playing the Yankees. <laughs> I cannot stand the Yankees, so. Oh, oh, yeah, like, uh, the one thing I was dreading, the one thing I was dreading this year uh, was if the Yankees somehow played the Dodgers in the World Series because I don't like the Dodgers much either, so. Well, uh, you're I welcome. I probably would have gone for the Dodgers. Then. Yeah, that's right, yeah. So. Oh, man. Here we go, Al Qaeda. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, I do not like Yank the Yankees one bit. I am right there with you. I am right there with you. Uh, so, did you get a chance to get to any games this year? Yes, yes. Uh, we followed the Mets around a little bit. We went to see them play in San Diego, and then we went to see them play in Phoenix, which was really great. And, um, both beautiful ballparks, and uh, uh, I think I saw them when they came to play the Dodgers one game. Um, yeah, so we usually just follow the Mets around. Uh, and then we occasionally go see the Angels because that's like, kind of like our local team is the Angels. Yeah, I mean, uh, the, you know, now the the Los Angeles part or the Anaheim part? Uh, they're in Anaheim, so I don't know why they call them the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. It's pretty silly. Yeah, but, uh, I, I didn't. I wasn't a huge fan of that name. Um, yeah. So, so uh, baseball stuff aside, you know, not, not that I don't love talking baseball, but, you know, the, the crux of the uh, conversation sure. today is going to be F is for family. Like we have uh, several questions about the show. Um, Fire away. Because it, it does differ a lot from uh, what you do with The Simpsons. Um, one of the first things I, I would like to know is... What is the difference between uh, sorry? What is the difference between writing uh, fictional characters as opposed to some that are loosely based on real people? With F is for family, like how do you approach? Oh, that well, difference? they're still fictional. We still see them as fictional. I mean, it's all fictional characters, especially because they're just drawings. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. they're not real. But I mean, I, well, I would say there's not much difference in that way because even on The Simpsons. You know, we're talking about Homer and Bart and, you know, Krusty. Even when we're coming up with stories, we're still drawing on events or things that happened to us in life or, 
you know, so I'd say it's very similar in that way. The, the big difference between writing for The Simpsons and writing for Episode Family, uh, I think, is in the style of storytelling where The Simpsons classically, you know, is the thing where every episode is its own self-contained thing and, and um, not much changes and everything gets set back to the beginning again at the end of the episode, which is, has worked quite well you know, for 650 episodes or whatever. Um, and then when we started Episode Family, our initial idea was to sort of do that same kind of storytelling, um, you know, standalone episodes that just, just stood like, like regular, like every other, like basically like every other TV show forever until about 10 years ago, you know, was that where it was just episodes and things happened and maybe there was a little bit of arcs or anything, but nothing like the way it is now. Um, but then when we, we ended up selling the show to Netflix, uh, Netflix, uh, model is based on, you know, binging through and, you know, watching one episode and starting the next one. So they asked us to do a more of a serialized storytelling, which, um, we were kind of thrown by, thrown by it at first. And then we're like, okay, well, let's try it. And then we ended up just falling in love with it. And it's been the greatest thing. We can't imagine what the show would be like if it was that other version of the show, uh, I don't think I don't know how you could sustain it. It's so it's so fun for us to come up with these like seasonal arcs and show the characters grow and, and show them change. And it's been just so great. So as the co-creator of this show, how exactly did F is for Family come to fruition? Oh, sure. I can tell you that. Well, uh, it all began with Bill Burr, of course, you know, who is one of the greatest comedians of all time if you've never seen him do stand-up absolutely go see him he's so great he's so funny um he actually we just saw him uh, uh, just uh, earlier uh, a couple weeks ago in uh, madison square garden where he was just just incredible anyway he you know part of his a lot of his stand-up was based on his uh stories about growing up and you know his dad and and how rough it was growing up as a as a kid in like the late 70s and and um, so he had a hard time getting stuff going in the television world where he had done a bunch of pilots for various sitcoms and he'd been on a sitcom that didn't last very long and he was kind of disillusioned with it all and, and he felt like nothing really quite captured his voice because it'd always be toned down. So he he had a meeting with Peter Billingsley of Vince Vaughn's production company, which is called Wild West Productions. This is about five or six years ago. And they talked about various things. And one thing he mentioned was that he had always thought about trying to do uh, some of these stories about his childhood as little animated shorts for his website, kind of like the original Simpsons shorts, like two or three minute shorts. Uh, but he, of course, he never got around to doing it. And then Peter said, well, they were interested in trying to develop an animated series. And they said, what if we took those ideas and turned it into an animated series? And he said, sure, that sounds great. And um, so Bill didn't have much experience working in television or animation. So they wanted they wanted to find a writer to partner with Bill to create the show. So that's where I came in. I had a meeting with them and we just immediately hit it off. I told some of my stories about my dad and my growing up in New Jersey and he talked about his growing up in Massachusetts, and uh, I'm a little bit older than Bill, but we had very similar kind of points of view on things, and they decided to go with me, and then from there, we just spent some time together talking about it, and I kind of pitched a lot of the characters that aren't the family um, are based on 
people I grew up with. So like the neighborhood is kind of based on my neighborhood in, in New Jersey. Uh, I grew up on a little cul-de-sac, kind of like the cul-de-sac here in the show. And the creepy neighbor, Goomer, who, uh, you know, looks at everybody's window <laughs> is based on my neighbor. <laughs> my neighbor. Uh, I won't say his name because he may still have relatives somewhere, but, um, he was that guy, you know, he would walk his dog and like use that as a pretext to kind of like just look at everybody's window and know everybody's business. He literally would wipe his dog's butt with toilet paper. Oh my that's God. <laughs> he didn't sniff it. He didn't sniff it. Well, that's, uh, that's a plus. Yeah. But all the characters, all the neighborhood characters were more or less based on my life. Uh, Vic, the next door neighbor was named after my, my best friend's dad, whose name was Vic, um, who wasn't like the guy that the way he's designed in the show. He, but he was for me, my dad was, uh, worked in heavy construction, was a, worked for a construction company. And this guy's dad worked for a record company in New York city. And so to me, that was like, wow, he's in show business, you know? So, so, the, so Vic in the show kind of developed from that of like the guy who, to my dad, this guy was like a, you know, like a, whatever, a fancy boy kind of guy, you know, who like a slickster, you know, who worked in New York city. And, and my dad, like, you know, went to work every day with a lunch pail and worked on heavy construction. So he became like the foil for, for Frank. And that's, his name is Vic because that's my friend's dad. His name was Vic. Um, so it's like that. So then we kind of, we kind of figured it out that way. And I came up with the idea of Frank working at the airport, mostly because I thought it would be funny that he had this big, uh, tag on his, uh, shirt reading baggage, you know, like emotional baggage. So then, it, then it became like a whole thing of like, oh, okay, now he works at an airport and what is that airport and, uh, who are the guys he works with? And so, um, you know, his boss, big old fat Bob Pogo was, named after a guy who was my boss when I was in college, uh, who was pretty big. <laughs> he was pretty big and slovenly guy. Uh, and his name was Bob Pogo. Uh, but we changed his last name from what it is now to, from what it was to something, but it was Bob Pogo. And he was the manager of the Sears auto center that I worked in when I was in college. So it was like that you kind of draw on your real life experience and we kind of developed the show that way. And then it just, what's the greatest thing is that as we kept going and, and like, creating episodes and we kind of had to fill out our world and now we needed people who worked at the airport. So we, we created the characters who work at the airport. We needed other neighbors. We needed the kids at school. So we just sort of developed those based on kids we knew or people we knew. And that's how it came about. That's pretty awesome. Pretty um, question I had, and this is, um, cause you already kind of touched on one of my other questions about, you know, the difference between, you know, a long, uh, you know, kind of season long narrative as opposed to individual episodes. Um, when I see Vic, what I see is the grown up version of Matthew McConaughey from Days and Confused. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it's a, there's a resemblance, I'd say. Um, I mean, and the way that Sam Rockwell plays him is just how much of what he says as that character is you guys writing and how much of it is him ab-libbing? Because some of these lines, like, uh, you know, talk about his iguana. Oh, he got into my booger sugar, and now he thinks he's a dinosaur. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, think we wrote, I think we wrote that one. I'd say it's around 50-50 or 60-40, because what it will be is that, well, Sam is such a great guy. He's wonderful. He's so funny. And we only get him, like, for short 
for short uh, batches, you know, because he's so busy with his with his movie career. So we'll get him in, and we'll 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 write all the episodes for him, and we'll get him in. He'll do like maybe all of his episodes in a day, you know. So um, so he's often there. We try to get Bill if he's doing scenes with Bill. We try to get Bill in there with, to do them with him if we can. Uh, or sometimes Justin, like we, one time we did one where we had Justin Long who plays Kevin, uh, was, wasn't physically with him, but they were like in separate places. Uh, Sam was in New York, I believe, and Justin was here in LA, but we, they were able to talk to each other and sort of do the scene together. Um, but then we'll, we'll do, we'll do a couple as written and then we'll just say, just, just do what you want to do, you know? So he'll riff and do call kind of crazy stuff. So the one thing I remember specifically that he ad-libbed uh, that we kept and was in the first season. It's the, it's the episode where, uh, he brings Frank to the, uh, radio station with him and he's talking about how he got the job and all that stuff and how easy it was to get his job. And he goes, he goes, you know, it's like that feeling when you have a dragon on your shirt. (laughs) 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 So he just said that and we all looked at each other like, that makes no sense, but it's so funny. It's it's a Vic line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then it turned into we used it in the second season when he was having his meltdown, you know, after he found out that his girlfriend was cheating on him with Kevin and then he's trying to calm himself down and he goes, Drag it on your shirt, drag it on your shirt. That was his <laughs> monster to calm himself down. So anyway, he's he's terrific and he's got a lot of great stuff in season three. Uh there's a whole a real fun uh arc for him to go through in season three, uh recovering from what happened in season two. Uh, and again, it's, it's about half and half where like, we'll have the written stuff and then he, he just puts his own spin on it that only he can do. Now, uh, I have another question and it's, uh, more just, it's a general, like working in the business of animation type question. Now, um, I tried cross-referencing your, uh, your filmography with his, but, uh, you guys both have a very extensive, uh, background did you ever get a chance to work with Charlie Adler in any way? Yes, yes, I have. I ab- absolutely have. Um, he was one of the stars of the show. That was my very first animation job. In uh, you know, it was it was the second job I ever got in in professional TV writing, um, and it was a show on Nickelodeon called Real Mo- Ah Real Monsters. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so Charlie played Ickes on that show, and he was amazing to see. Uh, he was just, he was like the, my, it was my first experience, you know, working in animation. So I'd go to these voice records with these amazing actors like him, uh, Christine Cavanaugh, uh, Greg Berger, um, just everybody. And they would all these, these amazing voice people come in. Tim Curry was on that show a lot. Um, and I was astounded to see how great these people are and especially Charlie, who's so good and so funny. Uh, and then later on, there was another show I did for the same studio, Klasky Chupa, where he was the director now. And he does a lot of directing now, but I think he still he still acts as well. But um, anyway, he's great. I haven't seen him in many years, but uh, we sometimes I see sometimes see him on Twitter and whatever. We'll I'll throw something at him on Twitter. But um, yeah, he's fantastic. Well, the reason the reason I ask, in, and it's funny you brought up Tim Curry, is uh, we recently went to Rhode Island Comic Con to cover that, and he was there. And he actually moderated the panel we went to see for Tim Curry. Oh. And, um, you know, I I think I already know the answer to my question. Um, But someone asked, you know, 
how is it how to get into voice acting like how would you, you know how would you approach it and uh, I imagine you're going to have the same answer that Charlie had but he said be a uh, a good actor first mm-hmm. and then you know if you can do impressions and things like that all the better you can you know do different voices uh, great but the re- he said the reason that Tim Curry was so successful at it was because he was a good actor first. Now, do you find that uh, that has been your experience as well? Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. I mean, because you have what a funny voice, but if you can't make it work, if you can't act the character, if you can't act the moment, then it's not going to be worth anything. You know, definitely. I would agree 100% with Charlie. Yeah, and we have some amazing. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, I was gonna say, uh, go, go right ahead. Um, I'm saying, like, in our cast, Episode family, we have some amazing actors, and uh, we have some people who really haven't, didn't do, hadn't done much voiceover before. You know, like I'm not sure Dave Keckner had done a whole lot of animation before we got him to play uh, Bob Pogo, um, but he's he's a master. You know, we have some people who are really big time voiceover people like Kevin Michael Richardson, who plays Rosie, you know, is one of the great voice actors and Debbie Derryberry is incredible. Um, but I don't think Justin Long had done a whole lot of voicing. He's one of the voices of one of the chipmunks in the chipmunk movie. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and Sam had done some and, you know, and Bill of course had never done any voiceover stuff. So it's really great to throw in a mix of people uh, like that who had who are just actors or comedians and then people who are real, real professional experienced voice people yeah, uh, together in the room. Cause you I mean this cast, I mean, you've got multiple Oscar winners on this cast. Yes, we you know? do. Um, we find the most Oscar winning cast in all of Netflix animation. I would have to say, I would say that's, uh... Jen, Sam Rockwell, uh, Laura Dern hasn't won an Oscar yet, but she will. And she's won mm-hmm. an Emmy. Golden Globe, uh, you know it's incredible. I did. Uh, we we talked a little bit about that last episode, and um, one of the things I, I I mentioned was you know uh, you know because Miles said, oh yeah, you know you have people who were in Star Wars. You know, like Laura Dern was in the the most recent Star Wars film, not so long. Exactly. Uh, and I said, yeah, and she also starred in one of the two Rocky films, not to have Sylvester Stallone in it. And, uh, she did? I didn't know that. Well, I'm being very loose with my definition of Rocky film. Um, <laughs> when I say Rocky film, because there's the Rocky Horror Picture Show, which did not have Sylvester Stallone in it. Right. And uh, she played opposite of, uh, or the love interest of Eric Stoltz, who was Rocky Dennis in Mask. Oh, oh, I see. I get it. it that just, that it, is a loose definition of a Rocky film. Yes, like very loose. <laughs> Ashes, you got something you want to add? Yeah, so speaking of the cast, F is for Family has such a brilliant cast of voices. Did you have any say in these casting decisions? Oh, sure, absolutely. That's, really? That's, that's all we do. I mean, me, uh, I'd say when we're, when we're casting, we have a great casting director named Julie Ashton, who uh, also works on Bob's Burgers and a bunch of other, a bunch of other shows. So she brings us the people, or we'll sometimes we'll say, we like this person or that. But like it was such a dream for me to put this show together because, well, we knew Bill, of course. Uh, I had known, I knew, I knew Debbie Derryberry's work from everything else she had done, from Jimmy Neutron and 
you know, every other show she had done. So she was really somebody who we were excited to work with. Um, we knew of Justin Long, you know, he had worked with Vince Vaughn and Peter Billingsley on a couple of things. And he was so funny. Uh, Laura Dern just read the script and like responded to it. So she was, she told like, it was kind of like they sent it out to a bunch of different people. We had a wish list of like, these are some great actresses who would be great for this part. And uh, we heard from from Laura like almost immediately, like she read it on a plane or something, and thought it was great. So we're like, oh my god, we're going to get Laura Dern. Um, but then some people like like Dave Keckner, for instance, I had always admired him. I thought he was super funny and everything. I'd never met him, and uh, I was like, if we could get him on this, I would be so thrilled. So we were, I was thrilled when he could do it. Uh, I knew Kevin Michael Richardson from before. Mo Collins is someone who, uh, you know, plays a million characters, Jimmy Fitzsimmons and Vivian, the plasterware lady and uh, so many characters. She was someone who I'd never met, but I admired her work on Mad TV and other things. So um, I said, I suggested we look at her. Uh, there's a great guy named Trevor Duvall who plays Mr. Holton Wasser, the nice German man. And he plays so many characters. He's someone I'd worked with on my Lego Star Wars shows. Um, so speaking of Star Wars. He plays the Emperor and um, uh, Admiral Akbar on all those Lego shows. So I'd worked with him on those, and I knew he was really talented and versatile. And uh, some people we found elsewhere. We found Haley Reinhardt just through an audition tape. I had never heard of her. You know, I wasn't a big fan of American Idol, you know, past the, like the first or second season maybe. Um, and we were kind of knocking our heads against the wall because we, we couldn't find anyone who really st stood out you know, to be this little boy. And usually you cast, you try to cast like a woman who can sound like a boy just so, because they're more talented as actors. And if you get a real kid, then they're going to age out of their voice. And it was like a day or two before we had to pull the trigger on this character on, on casting somebody. And we heard this tape that Julie, uh, the cast director sent us and it was Haley Reinhardt. And she was just reading on tape a, a scene from, uh, peanuts special like a charlie brown thing like oh my dog it was one of it might have been the one from the christmas one and we were just blown away by this voice we were like oh my god that sounds just like a 10 year old kid 10 year old boy um and she had we knew that she hadn't done much acting uh they said oh she's a singer and so we brought her in and then she was just this incredibly you know beautiful young woman you know who's a great singer and a great talent and we were just we were like, yes, you know, we were so, so lucky to find her. And she's just gotten better and better in every season. Her acting and her nuance of performance is just outstanding. And she's so, so good in season three. She has some amazing moments as Bill. Now, one of the, the characters you keep, uh, or actors you keep talking about is uh, Dave Keckner. And, you know, <laughs> folks are, are going to be familiar with him, especially for his work, say, on The Office. Yes, and uh, the Anchorman movies. He's, yes. he's champ, champ kind on the Anchorman and everything. Anyway, yes. But when I hear him, and I hear him as Bob Pogo, the first thing that pops into my mind is those Saturday Night Live skits where him and, and Will Ferrell are all talking about Bill Bratsky. Right, right, yes, right. And, yes, like, yes. That's, that's where, yeah. like, I uh, – that's – that's what I I hear when he starts talking because it's like yeah. oh like this just obnoxious uh, <laughs> like usually impaired in some way type of character right. yeah. and he's so good at it 
Like he's he does so it good. so well. Like so good. I, I got to say, some of the. I mean, it's always fun working on a show. Um, it's always fun, but one of my favorite things is when uh, we're cl- we're kind of close to the end of a season because the way it works is like we'll do we'll do for each for each episode each actor we maybe get like for each episode maybe get maybe three records so it'll be like the first main record when the script is kind of new and then we go as we go through the animation process we make some changes and we bring them back to make some changes for the new thing and then maybe at the very end when the show is almost completely finished we'll bring people back in for what's called ADR which is or looping you know which is where we need some extra things maybe a new line here or there but often it's a lot of like noises because the animation will say it'll have a character like fall down or something. So we didn't we didn't record that initially because we didn't know it was going to be animated. So we'll bring them in and they're standing there with the with the uh, the animation in front of them and they have to sort of make a falling down noise as they as they or they get punched or or something like that. But when we have Dave in for Pogo, that's when we get all like the heavy breathing and like the eating noises, you know. So uh, I'll never forget when we had that for the first season there's that scene where he's sitting there and frank goes to talk to him and he's eating all that chicken and uh he just went off and gave us like three minutes straight of just non-stop like (laughs) (laughs) so funny endlessly funny endlessly hilarious that's something he had lived that made it into the show was when he's eating the chicken and he goes he goes oh this is good skin they should make a chicken just out of skin. <laughs> I'd buy that. Everybody would buy that. So he had lived, he had lived that, you know. So um, he's so great. He's such and he's such a sweetheart, such a wonderful, wonderful man. And uh, you know, uh, a little bit of Pop Pogo goes a long way. You know, like we can't we can't have him so much huge in every episode because he's such a big, crazy character. But um, so uh, I, I miss that we don't have him all the time. But when, when, we, when, we, when he's in the show, we really use him and he goes crazy. He has a lot of great stuff in uh, season three, a lot of great stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, so one of the things we talked about in our, our previous episode um, was, you know, kind of like we're kind of discussing the evolution of animation as we as we went along, you know, starting with say the Flintstones and bring it up to today, you know, how the, the idea of the animated family has, has changed. If you were to kind of pick an analog as close as you could get for each of the, the Murphy family, um, who would you kind of go with? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Well, let's start with Frank. I mean, there's no really nobody like Frank. I mean, he's got a little bit of, he's got a little bit of early Homer Simpson in him, you know, uh, the early years of the Simpsons where it was a little more grounded in reality as it, than it is now, you know, that kind of anger and frustration at his life. You know, I think that's a little bit of, I would say a little bit of Homer there. Uh, you know, people talk about how the look of the show is a little bit similar to King of the Hill, which we won't, we won't dispute. So it was a little bit of like Hank Hill and Homer Simpson, I guess. Uh, Sue, I can't think there's any corollary to her. Um, in terms of look or in terms of way she acts, it's a little bit like Marge in a way. And she started out more like Marge Simpson than she became. You know, that was one of the parts, one of the fun things in terms of like developing the character when we started to do serialization was the way that Sue was written in the first episode was very much kind of like the very loyal, supporting 
wife who's there saying, you know, look at you, look at your poor father, look what you, look what you did to him by breaking that TV, you know, and she was just sort of like his cheerleader. And then we realized as we were going to go on, we got to find something more interesting for her. And that's when we came up with this whole, her whole story arc about wanting to work. And then it turned into her going back to work and inventing the salad spinner. And, um, so it was great to see that, get her to find the funny, the funny notes of, of her, um, Boy, I don't know. I mean, everyone. We like to think that everybody is their own is their own unique character. So, um, I can't think of anybody else beyond that, except that the, the kids are like are like everyone's their own thing. We we try to make them be be individual and unique. Yeah, and that's the thing. When we were trying to like really rack our brains, it's like it's like yeah, they've got you know, it's it's almost like a sommelier. It's like oh, there's notes of this and hints of that, <laughs> but like yes. you can't nail it down because they're not. I mean, I, I was thinking, you know, for Frank, you know, there's a little bit of Archie Bunker in there. Of course. Yeah, sure. I mean, but who doesn't have a little bit of Archie Bunker in them that is a patriarch of an animated family? You know? Um, right. Yeah. And and honestly, the, the first thing that I thought of for Sue was Marla Gibb from the Jeffersons. Like, <laughs> she's so uh, assertive and dominant in certain in certain parts and like that's what what she reminded me of you know when she yeah, really that, puts her foot down yeah yeah i think that's what we're trying to do is like and that's i'd say that's one of the hallmarks for bill of bill burr is that you know his comedy his stand-up comedy is rooted so deeply in in what's really going on and how people really think and feel you know that that uh, you know i come from a more of a like sitcom experience and Simpsons of course you know so I think that our mix together is that like you know some of the crazier wackier stuff might come from me but from him is more of the grounded and and also trying to find like the different shades of, of characters and I think that's part of like what 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 works for the show too is that as we go forward you know we're not gonna we try not to repeat ourselves too much so that like you know Bob Pogo for instance will always be have have the essence inside him but we want to find more shades of him you know so this season i think we find a little bit more of a interesting guy and he's not just this kind of two-dimensional you know food monster <laughs> you know that we wrote him originally you know so we still have a lot of those jokes but then also we find like who is this real guy who is he really you know he has a wife that loves him and he has he has two sons that love him you know and what what is he really like so uh, we want to find like different shades of people and even I'll say there's a little bit of development this year for uh, another character who could possibly have been just like a one note character, which is Jimmy Fitzsimmons, the bully. You know, we find a little bit more about him this year and, and uh, we meet, we expand a little bit. Well, his father was in the show before that's the awful janitor (laughs) played by Joe Buck, the uh, sports announcer, Joe Buck, who's also a great, great guy. But we also, you know, she was very briefly glimpsed at the end of season two. But season three now, a major character is becomes Jimmy's sister, Bridget, uh, who is voiced by Debbie Derryberry. So uh, she adds a little bit of dimension to, to Jimmy and to his family. And we learn a little bit more about Jimmy. And he's a little more complicated than he first seemed, we think. I think that's what sets this show apart from other shows is the writing and the fact that all of the characters are multidimensional and they remind you of people you know. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm like, oh, like 
Frank kind of reminds me of my friend's dad, you know, and Sue kind of reminds me of, of my mom a little bit. And I think that's what, you know, the, the relatable aspect. And again, I think the writing is so brilliant in the fact that, yeah, it does some pretty crazy things like, you know, Bill burns the forest down, but (laughs) at the same time they deal with very real things like very, very, you know, real and relatable concepts. Yes, that's that's uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. That's what we try to do for sure. Well, no, I was going to I was going to agree and kind of expand on that. Like I can totally relate to Kevin because I am the oldest of three, you know, and, you know, in my in my extended family, there weren't very many uh, girls. And I know my my cousin, uh, my cousin Samantha is the youngest of four. And it was, you know, when they were growing up, they had three boys. There was, uh, uh, you know, one kid with the oldest, and then there was uh, four years between him and the next one, then four years between him and the next one. So you have three boys of, you know, say 16, 12, and 8, mm-hmm. all sharing one room. Where was us. The youngest girl gets her own room by herself <laughs> because she's yeah. the youngest, and no matter what she did – it was always somebody else's fault because it couldn't be hers. And that's, you know, typical, you know, young kids, you know, uh, the, being the youngest and being the oldest. And, you know, that's a really great dynamic. Like, you know, we mentioned last week where Frank's like, listen, if you know you're in charge and if anything happens, you call me and I'll come right home and put you through that fucking wall. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, he's very protective of, of Maureen, you know, his princess. And uh, we have a little bit of fun with that this year, too. Like, uh, you know, one thing I think I would say if there was a shortcoming is, you know, there's so many characters and there's only 10 episodes. And, he, you know, there's only like, so much time that, you know, we always felt that maybe Maureen was a little underdeveloped. So uh, she has a lot to do in this in this uh, season three. Uh, a lot. She has a big a major kind of plot arc of her own this year, which helps helps flesh out who she is a little bit too so maureen's uh, my favorite character so that makes me really happy <laughs> oh good good well i'll just say without without saying too much what what happens is uh that she ends up spending a lot more time with uh our other new favorite character uh who is philip bill's friend philip so uh maureen and philip have a little bit of a friendship this year and they get involved in a, in a story together uh, another great character voiced by debbie derryberry by the way mm-hmm. philip who we love so that uh, that kind of brings me back to something that we, we spoke of earlier. Uh, when it comes to character development, now, when you have, you know, uh, again, this overarching story that's playing throughout the whole season, do you find it easier with this type of storytelling to kind of give characters a chance to develop and, you know, maybe shine a light on them. Whereas, you know, on The Simpsons, you can have a Lisa episode or a Bart episode or a Nelson episode um, without kind of overshadowing everything else that's going on. Like, what do you prefer as far as character development? Well, and we know we're going to service the main, like the main big arcs are, are Frank and Sue and Kevin, you know. But then we we really, uh, I, I specifically really, really want to uh, you know find variety and to and to expand on everybody you know so one thing i'll say about season 3 is that uh, we deliberately decided 
too, that like, you know, season one was, was very focused. A lot of it was focused on Frank's job and where the workers going to go on strike and, and all that stuff. And then, you know, season two, Frank was out of his airline job for a long time. So it was all that other stuff with, uh, Smokey and the, um, and the snack truck and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, but this year, <laughs> this year we felt like we wanted to, um, give a lot more, uh, development to the neighborhood in general. So, you know, it's set in the summertime this season. And so we felt like we really wanted to, um, to give a little more focus to the neighborhood. And, and the, this is more of a, the stories this year focus a little bit more on Frank and Sue's relationship to their neighbors. So then it gave us a chance to sort of then learn who these other people are. So for instance, you know, these two characters were seen very briefly at the end of, um, in season one. I don't think they were shown at all in season two, but, uh, Goomer has a wife. So her name is Evelyn. Uh, so you'll, we'll meet her this year. And, uh, babe, who's Philip's dad, you know, we, we meet Philip's mom. Her name is Marie, and she's voiced by a great actress named Jamie Denbo. And then we have Philip's little brother, Anthony, who was seen uh, the little teaser clip uh, announcing when we were coming out. Uh, and we also, she was briefly seen last year just as a throwaway gag. We see Philip's grandmother, uh, who's played by Mo Collins, who's very, very funny, kind of a salty old old school Italian, Italian woman. Um, and we have, you know, two new characters, um, uh, you know, our big guest star this year is Vince Vaughn, mm-hmm. our one of our producers, Vince Vaughn, playing this uh, Top Gun jet fighter uh, guy named Chet Stevenson. And then we have his wife, who is played by a great actress named Eileen Fogarty, who also plays Goomer's wife. And uh, Eileen's character uh, is Chet's wife, who was Vietnamese. He met her when he was fighting the Vietnamese War. So, um, so it's great. It's really fun to expand into the neighborhood and learn more about the neighborhood. And, and we, you know, everyone gets their own little, not arc, but we get to know who these people are. So it's really, really fun to do that and, and to find moments for these characters. So, so like not everybody has a full story, but I will say there's one episode where Goomer is especially highlighted where you have, <laughs> I can't, I can't even, I won't even tell you what it is, but it's something that I think if you like Goomer, then you will, you will really, really like what happens to him in this one particular episode. Uh, and Trevor Duvall voices him and he does such a great job too. I'm very much looking forward to that. Uh, Ashes, you, you look like you have another question. Um, well, I'm trying to think of how to phrase it. So, with the writing of F is for Family, you touch on topics such as like sexism and racism and, you know, the loss of one's virginity. When you guys are sitting around, you know, writing these episodes, do you ever think, you know, uh, come up with a topic that, you know, you think that you might take it a little too far or maybe people will. Because, I mean, this show is very politically incorrect, but I think it rings true to the time frame that it's set in. And do you ever, you know, just kind of um, think that, you know, may- maybe this is taking it a little too far. Maybe people won't respond well. No, no, we really don't. We just okay. try to I think we just try to feel like we want to show what it was like, you know, so we want to. Because there's a genuine you know, like authenticity, you know, yeah. when watching these episodes, like sometimes you're like, oh, my God, did they just say that? But then you have to re- you know remember it's like, oh, yeah this is what it, you know, this is what happened. Yeah. This is what it was like. Yeah. This is what, you know, my parents talk about, you know, like, you... right. Yeah. I think it's, we found that's interesting is that we found that, you know, when we first pitched this around some places, 
we were worried like, will anybody care about this who we didn't live back then, you know, who isn't like 50 years old now or something. But, um, but we found that there's so many uh, younger people, you know, who are in their 20s or younger who, are, who love the show and are like asking their parents like, is that real? Did that really happen like that? You know, like, like I, I've talked to someone, um, a friend of ours last night who they watched the show and the kids can't get over the fact that the phone was on the wall, you know, like that, you <laughs> yeah. know, you know, or that you had to dial the phone. And that was like the one thing we did in that episode in the early season when, when Bill had to dial the phone and like, we really he laboriously had to dial the phone. That was so funny for us because it was like, yeah, that's what it was back then. You really had to dial all those numbers. Mm-hmm. And if, if, a, if a phone number had like a seven, eight or nine, and it, it, like, it like took forever. And then sometimes you'd make a mistake and you have to start all over again. I mean, it was crazy. But I mean, but in terms of like other things, like like in season two, we had all that sexism at the workplace when Sue went to work at Plastiware and we had those really horrendous guys that she worked with. Uh, we just felt like we had to exaggerate a little bit for, for comic effect, but it was awful. They treated her terribly, but that was that was very similar to what was going on back in those days, you know. So we figured, like, we're just showing you what it was like, and we're not saying we approve of it or not. But uh, there it is. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, and I, I think that it, you know, like what Asha said, like it's very authentic. You know, the uh, the commercials for Mohican Airlines. You know, it's like, <laughs> oh Jesus, like. Yeah, I mean, there was a huge amount of, uh, you know, there was, there were, there were, there was, Mohican is sort of based on Mohawk Airlines, which was a real airline back then. But then, you know, there were, one of my favorite shows growing up when I was a kid was called F Troop. And it was set, you know, during the uh, Western, whatever you want to call it, the Old West. And they had all these Indians played by like Jews and Italian guys going, you know, how all those jokes and everything. And that's just the way it was. And people thought that it was okay because no one was there. No one, no one had, no one else had a voice to say that that wasn't okay. Um, this year we have a thing where, um, they go to the movies and, uh, they go to a drive-in movie and the, the cartoon before it is based is our sort of version of speedy Gonzalez, which is, uh, he's called, um, sleepy Ramirez. And he's a little, he's a little donkey who's always sleepy and taking a siesta. And that was just, that, you know, that's everyone thought it was no one thought it wasn't a problem or, or people who thought it was a problem didn't have the voice to be able to say that it was offensive, you know, to the to the larger, like white dominant culture. Mm-hmm. That was funny. That was a funny voice. You know, uh, I remember they had they used to have the commercials for the Frito Bandito when I was a kid. <sighs> yeah. And he was like this Mexican, like Pancho Villa type guy. And he sang the song about, I, 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 steal your Fritos from you. You know, it was like, that was, that's just the, what, that's what it was like, you know? So we're, we're just show, throwing it out there to show people like, this is what it was like in those days. And oh, thank God things are different now. Yeah. I mean, they could be slightly more different, but yeah, I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. Like it's one of those, it's like you're not glorifying it. You're just saying, here you go. This yeah. is right, you're not it. glorifying it, but you're also not sugarcoating it either. It's the same no. as like. No, that's right. It's the same as showing, you know, the aesthetic of the home. Like, this is what mm-hmm. furniture was like. This is how they dressed. Like, this is what was on yeah. mass media. Like, it's not, you yeah. know, you're not, you're not going out yeah. of your way. It's just, it's a period right. and, piece. And we use the TV. We use what they're watching on the TV as our, as our chance to do that kind of satire or 
about what the culture was like. You Colt know, Luger? Was, I mean, Christ. yeah, Colt Luger. <laughs> right. Well, Colt Luger is was based on all those shows growing up when I was growing up in the seventies that starred like Barnaby Jones, and uh, there was a show called Cannon with this guy named William Conrad who was a literally like fat as a bowling ball guy who was a hard-boiled detective and you know he would occasionally punch guys out you know uh yeah but we love we love that and frank identifies with him because we also think of frank as kind of like representative of the last this was the last gasp in a way of like when the culture was just dominated by white men uh you know so he sort of like looks on colt luger as like this avatar of like this is what a man is and this is this is what he sees so like Frank really gets off on watching Colt Luger, you know, in beat up, you know, minorities, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Yeah. But he's always like the guys that he's fighting are either black or or Chinese or Mexican, you know. And I think that Frank, that's the thing is that Frank, you know, we love Frank, you know, uh, but he's he's a man of that time, which, uh, you know, there was a certain amount of racism that was just sort of baked in that was not questioned. Yeah. And it's. Um... You know, we were talking about this um, with Miles about the difference between how Frank is, and then you see a little bit of—I don't want to say the rebellious nature of Sue, but she's starting to realize, like, I don't have to just be this, you know, potato cooking housewife. And then you see Maureen, like, I'm gonna, you know, like the Halloween episode. It's like, oh, I'm gonna be an astronaut. No, there are no women astronauts. Well, I'll be a vampire. Oh, there's no women vampires. All right, I'll be Hitler Jesus, and it's like. <laughs> <laughs> right yeah yeah she's she's going to strike out on her own and be be her own self but while also fighting against the time she lives in you know like there's, there's a story in, in last season that came from a real thing um that we read about where uh there was a woman who i believe now is a is a mathematician or a phd uh in astronomy at caltech and when she was a young girl in around that same time in the mid seventies. She took one of those tests, one of those like aptitude tests um, and scientific aptitude test. And she got like a perfect score on it. And the teacher accused her of cheating, you know, because there's no way a girl could get a perfect score on this math. She's test. a witch. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's what, that's what that whole little thing in, in uh, last season came about because of that. Like there was not like clearly, I mean, the teacher, I think the, principal said clearly she's a you know she cheated or she's a boy or something like that a girl but, doing that, math <laughs> right that's but that's how people felt that's how people felt like if you were a girl you were put into the home ec class you know and if you were a boy you were put into wood shop yeah. you know that's just the way it was and um you know thank god times have changed well i think this has been uh, a fantastic conversation because there's you know we were rewatching the show recently and it's like, you know, we hadn't watched it for a couple months and it's like, you forget how friggin' funny the show is. Like, you know, there's these little things that just stick out to you and like hearing some of the behind the scenes stuff just makes you appreciate it all that much. Yeah. More. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Well, we work really, really hard to make it be relatable, to make the stories be interesting and above all to make it funny you know so i really uh, really thank you so much for saying all that because we i can't tell you how hard we all work and i have such a great writing staff such a great great writing staff you know that that uh, bill and i get to work with uh i'll just kind of say their names because uh sometimes when you watch the show the credits go by really quickly but you know there's myself there's bill burr david richardson mark wilmore 
Peter Tibbles, Eric Goldberg, Emily Towers, Joe Hislinga, Valerie Vaughn, Henry Gamble, um, just an amazing group of really, really funny people that it's a joy to work with. And honestly, um, you know, any of those, if any of those folks ever want to come on and talk about, you know, you know, you know, their job and like what they've done in the, like, we'd love to talk with them. Like, all right, I'll, I'll spread the word. I will tell them. Cause I mean, we, you know, we're, we're all about like promoting people. I mean, I know you guys are like way bigger stars than we are, but like anything we could do to get anybody's voice out there, because sure. I mean, without the writers, I mean, yeah, yeah, the actors get a lot of the the credit, yeah, the accolades, but you know, the writer, the director, but you know, the, the writers are doing a, a lot of the work. Like, there's not just it's not just you know these people going up on screen and and you know saying lines. Like, they have to come from somewhere. So, right, you know. And I think a lot of people kind of gloss over that. You know, everyone who worked, like, there's a reason why you're credited on the film, because without your contribution, you know, whether it's film or TV, what have you, mm -hmm. without your contribution, like, this yeah. doesn't go together. And on television, literally, you know, especially in comedy shows, uh, animated or, or live action comedy shows, it's so much of it is just a huge, it's such a group effort, such a collaborative effort between everybody on the staff. So I, I could go through an episode with you and say that's that came from Henry, that came from Valerie, that came from Emily. You know, we all work together. They're all. It's so much fun. You know, it's very collaborative, and uh, it's such a group effort, and um, it's really exciting. I'm so I can't tell you. I mean, because this everyone knows. Everyone's listening to this who's a fan of the show knows that it's been a while since the last season, and people are very anticipating about it. So we're so happy to get it out there. And um, we can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah, and, and that's part of the reason why we wanted to have you back because there were so many people like, hey, have you seen the show? And they're like, you know, it's it's like almost 50-50. It's like, yeah, I've seen it. It's so great. Or, no, I haven't. Tell me a little bit about it. And you tell them yeah. a little about it, and it's like, oh, my God, I love Sam Rockwell. Or, you know, something like that. And you, mm -hmm. you try to describe the show to people. Like, how have I not seen this? Like, uh, yeah, I know. I go on Twitter. I'm always on Twitter, you know, uh, as my own self. But also, there's a there's a Twitter feed called um, uh, Family Writers. I think mm -hmm. it's called at at F I F F Netflix. And uh, I largely, you know, administer that too. And um, I'll look at that, and then I'll find every day I'll find people who are saying, "I just found this new show," you know, and it's like, "Wow, that's incredible! I love it." And I, then, I, then I feel I tell them I usually write to them like you are so lucky because now you only have to wait two weeks for the third <laughs> yeah. season when yeah. everyone else had to wait a year right? and a half. But, uh, <laughs> but it's incredible that like people are just finding it now, you know. So uh, it's really exciting and fun. You say the writing on the show is phenomenal, and the rewatch value is so high. Like I said, we just recently rewatched the entire series, you know, both seasons and picked up on things that we didn't even notice the first couple of times we had watched it. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. It, it, then that I believe that is, you know, the, the writers, that's that's the writing that gives you something yes. every time you watch it, you pick up on something different. And well, that I think is just brilliant. Oh, thank you. Well, I think that's the thing, too, we noticed after season one. I mean, a lot of that comes from my training on The Simpsons to have, like, stuff going on in the background and sign jokes and, you know, things like that. Yeah. That all comes from Simpsons.
But then as we noticed after between season one and season two, when we were writing season two, we noticed that people were watching it, you know, over and over again. People say, like, I just watched it for the fifth time, you know. And so we knew that 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 was going to be something that we wanted to be able to reward rewatching. So that's why we salt in like a lot of stuff, things that are set up in episode one, come back in episode nine, you know, all the sign jokes. If, if you know, when Bill started delivering the newspaper in uh, season two and he continues in season three, whenever you see the newspaper, you know, freeze frame it, like every single article on newspaper has been written usually by one of us on the writing staff or by our script coordinator named Sam Stefanik, you know, who's also a very funny guy, but he will write the full article. And so you could freeze frame it and read the article and there's jokes in the articles. And there's when they went to that diner, you know, the menu was seen for like a half a second, but there's 15 jokes on that menu. Oh my God, that it's, menu, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the most racist restaurant in the world, based on a real play, based on a real place, based on a real place called Sambo's. Oh, um, Jesus. Which I mean, <laughs> Sambo's was the name of the place, but I don't think they went that far. Like the, the they weren't called like Jim Crow cakes or whatever like that. Oh, you know? yeah. That's, yeah, like... uh, that was our um, separate but equal dressings or something like that. But anyway, um, we that's our exaggeration. But. Um, yeah, everything is, you know, we, we really work hard to, to reward, you know, rewatching and freeze framing and all that stuff. And your show has a lot of heart. And I am so excited for season three. Very oh, thank excited. you. Thank you so much. Well, we're so excited for everyone to see it. And then everyone to start asking when is season four coming up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I probably will. It'll be it'll be probably, let's see, you got 10 episodes, about 22 <laughs> minutes each. So around like. Six o'clock, you know, the uh, the following morning, I'll be like, all right, when is season four coming out? But it is it really is one of those shows where you can watch it over and over again. And it's just as funny, like because it's not just the, the jokes. It's not just the delivery. It's just it's everything all together. That's um, that's so cohesive and it just mm-hmm. makes, you it's, know, it's, it's one. It's, it's a unit that just works well together. Yeah, I mean, there are shows that are out there that, like, they have a good cast, but the writing might not be as good, or, you know, maybe the, you know, actors aren't quite in the right role, and so it doesn't quite have that same feel, um, but this show, it just hits on every cylinder, and I, I I can't get enough of it. Oh, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much. I really, really appreciate it, and uh yeah, we're just thrilled. We love the show, and we want to keep it going as long as we can. And we're so excited for people to see this new season. Now, you uh, you did mention your uh, you're on Twitter. Uh, where yes. Can, where can folks fo- uh, follow you on Twitter? What's my 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 personal Twitter feed is something that I Twitter name I picked out one day in 2009 when I wasn't thinking straight. So it's really lame, but it's uh it's at Mike Price in L.A. That's me. Uh, and then um, and you'll see some political stuff on there. So I don't know if you're into politics, you might not want to follow that one. But if you're really just into the show or baseball, uh, but if you're really just into the show, then the Ephesor the family uh, Twitter feed that I administer, I believe, is is at F.I.F.F. Netflix. But we yes. call ourselves fifth, fifth writers. And so you'll see like we put up pictures of when we're in production and hopefully we get a season four. So as we're into production, I put up pictures of like, here's the table read today. And here's this thing we did. And here's this writer. And like, and as we're doing, um, records, will be a little picture of somebody recording at the mic. 
Uh, I mean, uh, as between now and when the show starts coming out, I'll, I'll retweet a lot of like fan art. You get a lot of really interesting, great fan art. Um, and yeah, if you like the show, just follow that and you'll see everything, all the kind of inside stuff and, and fun stuff about the show there. I mean, another, another benefit to following you on Twitter is, uh, I know folks are probably very familiar with the Simpsons Halloween episodes, and I was trying my ass off to win that contest you had going, oh. <laughs> <laughs> where if someone could guess what the the Halloween themed pseudonym you used for the uh, for the episode, right? Um, they wanted. I give them a signed script. Yeah, which, like, who doesn't want that? I tried really hard, but I will say, if you ever want to use that Micronomicon, please, that's a good one. Please that's use a good that. One. You don't okay. even have to give me credit. Just uh... all right, okay, all right. Yeah, I've got a lot of great ones. I was like, my name has not lent itself well to Halloween names, but I was wrong. I mean, there were a lot of great suggestions. Um, I do, I do have one, uh, one thing that I, I, I've been thinking about this for a while, and I, I, I want to get your thoughts on it because you are, you are a Simpsons guy. So I, I don't think it's ever been done. But and again, if you, if you ever want to use this, please, please go ahead. Um, Homer and Flanders are getting ready to go out and do something and they're both, you know, you kind of have like this, well, I got to get ready to deal with this guy all day. And Homer picks up a Bible and inside the Bible is a flask and Flanders does the same type of thing. And he's like, oh, well, I got to, I got to break out the emergency flask and he opens up the flask and inside there's a little Bible. You know? <laughs> <laughs> That's really funny. So yeah, if, if, I mean, I, mean I, I just, That's very funny. That's very funny. I mean, even if that it's like a, a really couch gag or something, show. if you ever want yeah. to use that, all right, please, I would love okay. to. Okay, you got it. You got it. And you that is a very good Simpsons joke. Well, I, I appreciate that. This is something that I've had in my head for a long time, and I was like, do I even bring this up to him? Because I'm sure people say this type <laughs> of shit to him all the time. But I, I have you on here. I, I have to. I had to say it. So I appreciate. Sure. Um, but I think. Um, I know you're busy, so uh, I, I definitely appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Sure. Spending, Thank you, guys. Uh, and any time you want to come on, you want to talk about The Simpsons, you want to talk about Efforts for Family or any other projects you have going, uh, if you know of anybody else that you, know, you want to help promote their stuff, we're more than happy to talk to anybody. Um, you got it. You know, so any, you're always welcome. Uh, you're great. a great guy. Great. You're always Thank you. nice to us. So, uh, well, it's always great talking to you. Thank you so much, and thanks for saying such nice things about the show. I'm really happy that you like. It. Well, we wouldn't say it if we didn't feel it. We're very, <laughs> we're very honest people on this show. Great, great. I know you are. All uh, right, thanks so much. All right, you're welcome. Have a great night, Mike. You too. All right, take care. Bye. Bye. So that was that was awesome. Um, I think we're we're gonna take a quick break mm -hmm. and when we come back we'll give you our battle results and our new battle um do you want to forgo the science and wine this week just do the battles or do you yeah seeing as we have to you know talk about the battle results and upcoming shows do the new battle and stuff and yeah we'll we'll forego some stuff that went a little longer than i thought but it was i think it worth was worth it yeah worth it <sighs> so good Okay, so uh, yeah, let's take a quick break. Yeah, we'll be right back. 
Trick or Treat Radio is a phantasmagorical spin kick straight through the heart of pop culture, navigated by the Deadites. We are the world's greatest electroshock band, we destroy monsters, we drink booze, and we win championship belts. If you're not listening to Trick or Treat Radio, here's a taste of what you've been missing. There's three guarantees in life. What are they? Death, taxes, and Trick or Treat Radio every Friday morning. This is one of the most convoluted movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm fucking trying, man. Hi, hi, hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, yeah. It's like you <laughs> took a shit on a pile of shit. But you shit on him right. for liking what he likes. Yeah, well, it's my job. This podcast is now banned in Germany. <laughs> it's me, Giovanni Lombardo Radici. Shut up. I call bullshit. I demand someone to bring me the face of Lindsay Lohan. If I had genitals, I would definitely bang her. Oh, wait. Is she a great big fan person? You just hit the jackpot. This is a weird movie, huh? It had action, it had suspense, it had great characters, it had great acting. I'm going to strangle you with my jockey shorts. I don't like mobster movies. All right, well, here's my take. You're a sick fuck. Thank you. Now shut the fuck up and let me talk. Have you ever seen 2001? The box, right? The box and the monkey. Available on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and trickortreatradio.com. Arrivederci, douchebags. Hi, my name is Kurando Mitsutake, director of Gun Woman and Karate Kill, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. Well, hello there, neighborinos. The handle's Mr. Most Days Off, but my friends call me Miles, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hello, Mr. Most Days Off. <laughs> and that's my best friend, Richie the Whiz Kid, the co-host of Best Darn Diddly. Hi, diddly ho there, podcasterinos. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series, hosted by us, two guys who grew up loving The Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every dope! So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid, sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. Welcome to episode 126.6. This is the last four tenths of the show. (laughs) (laughs) There you got the intro again. Yes. (laughs) All right. So we got to get get Mike Price back on the line. That that was a, a, a an errant click. It was supposed to be uh, Patsy Rahal in the motherfucking house, but since it's right underneath that, I clicked that back. So that's all right. So yeah. there you go. Surprise everyone! Make them think that they're uh, <laughs> the show is uh, coming to an end. Or what or the hell happened? Did it restart? Again. Exactly. Do I have to listen to all that again, My listeners? No, you get to. And good food, and they're probably going to be dozing off. Oh, and all this. of a sudden, they're going to hear the music, and they're going to be like, "What? Did I sleep for a week?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, so many tryptophans. Although, bonus science fact: tryptophan does not actually make you sleepy. It's the massive amount of fucking food you eat. This is true. It's your body, all the blood rushing to your stomach to help aid in the digestive process. Yes. So there's, there's your bonus science fact. <laughs> yeah, there's a science fact that wasn't supposed to happen, Thanksgiving but Thanksgiving science fact. It was unintentional. You're welcome. But, uh, so that was awesome. And uh, He's such a great guy. He's, yeah. he, he really is. And, you know, uh, if you have not checked out F is for Family, what the hell are you waiting for? Go do it. You have plenty of time. 
to watch the first two seasons before the third season drops. And I'm excited. I'm really excited. Yeah, I mean, you only have to watch. Uh, there's 20 episodes. You have a week to do so. You can watch everything twice. Yeah. I mean, watch. Every, you, no excuses. You are going to do it. laugh over some parts and you might have to rewatch the episode. Anyway, it's it's funny. Like the cast. I mean, we can't extol its virtues more. But uh, I mean, we probably could, but we should probably uh, wrap well, I mean, this like, show we up. We could, but we also have battle results to talk about. Yeah. A so new battle to throw down. So let's let's talk oh, about uh, your your uh, your battle results from last. Yeah. Week. So you guys had a little bit of extra time to vote. And uh, yeah, we did something a little bit different than what we usually do. We encouraged you all to add options to our poll. So we asked Giggity. you. We asked you, in your opinion, which movie slash TV show has the best werewolf transformation? And your uh, options Winner. were. <laughs> your options were an American werewolf in London, The Howling, Trick or Treat. Michael Jackson's Thriller, Wolf Cop, 2004's Van Helsing, Stephen King's Silver Bullet, Hemlock Grove, or 1941's The Wolfman. And not surprising, an American werewolf in love. Werewolf? Why can't I talk? Mm. Is it because of all the Lack wine? Lack of wine? <laughs> yeah, I or drank. too much wine? Would it, either way, you haven't drunk exactly the right amount. Yes, that's it. That That's the thing. I always forget that's how it thing. works with you. Um, so, yeah, me too, apparently. Um, so, yes, uh, unsurprisingly, an American werewolf in London won. Um, I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory yeah. as to why. Um, and there were a few, we, we put up a few and then, uh, some folks wrote in some, uh, our good buddy Mark Sheets over at Punch Farm and Paranormal Punchers and his wife Lish wrote in, uh, wrote in, uh, Wolf Cop and they both voted for that. Uh, I voted for, uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, there were a few other write-ins and then were some in the comments where people listed their top, uh, top two or three or you know, voted for their favorite, but then gave a couple of honorable mentions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, that's good stuff. Uh, Wolfie, can you please cue up our uh, our battle theme? Because uh, we've got a new battle to do. So Sure. Uh, <laughs> thank you. One sec. I had the outro. I was going to play the outro music again because I had it all queued up. You just really like that song. And for those of you who don't know, Wolfie made that theme for us. Like, he played every instrument. Well, it was all on an iPad. He played every instrument. Guitar, synthesizer, <laughs> drums. There's a little bit of ukulele if you listen really hard. but uh, Some light didgeridoo. Yes. There should be. Uh, a 14-foot alpenhorn. Uh, very, very uh, difficult. You have to have very strong lungs for that. <laughs> uh, so if we can play that, we will get into our new battle.
have a brand new battle this week. Mm-hmm. We are calling it our animated, matrimated, yes, I made that word up, matrimated, tag team turmoil. We have in the first corner, Frank and Sue Murphy from F is for Family versus Homer and Marge Simpson from The Simpsons versus Peter and Lois Griffin from The Griffins. The (laughs) (laughs) Family Guy versus Bob and Linda Belcher from Bob's Burgers in a table ladders and chairs match. Mixed tag. Like, this is good stuff. Uh, If you've ever played the Simpsons wrestling game, imagine it kind of like that. So it's a four-way mixed tag TLC match. Do we have a special guest referee at all? Do you want a special guest referee? Mills Lane. Let's get it on! Yeah. Like Celebrity Deathmatch? Yes. Oh, yeah. Judge Mills Lane. Do you remember that show? Of course I do. That's how I knew his name. I loved it when... So MTV would do their own special, like, Super Bowl halftime thing. Mm -hmm. And it was Celebrity Deathmatch. That was great. I miss those days. So much better than the Super Bowl halftime shows that they've been showing us for the past few years. Yeah, I've had enough. Asterisks except for Lady Gaga. Oh, Missy Elliott was pretty good. Although Did you you get your freak on? I I always do. Get your freak on. Um, I mean, I've had enough of Bruno Mars, so I'm, I'm good with that. Um... So yeah, and the battle theme, by the way, to, as this is a segue into our next, uh, next uh, ending segment here, the battle theme is by a band called Enchanted Exile, uh, for whom uh, I just I said the wrong thing. Uh, our buddy Steve Van Sampson uh, is a member of that band, as well as. Our guest for next week's show, uh, Steve's brother Tim, so, is going to so join Tim us. Tim Van Sampson? Tim Van Enchantment. <laughs> I, don't, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Did you run that last name by him? Is Enchantment. he okay with that? Enchantment. Enchantment. Yes, yeah, so that might be our episode title. No. I don't know. No. But uh, he is going to join us next week to talk about a uh, character from a movie that just came out this week. Bunny gets the pancake. Uh, and that is going to be Ralph Breaks the Internet, which for some reason it's not Ralph Wrecks the Internet. I believe they discussed that in the movie. I that believe they need to change it. Of discussion. Um. So we'll be talking about Ralph from Wreck-It Ralph. All you need to know is that the kitty gets the milkshake. And the bunny gets the pancake. And the bunny gets the pancake. Um, But yeah, we're going to be talking about Ralph. And then he'll be coming back again and we're going to be talking about Gamera. Because there's so many kaiju in the kaiju universe. And if you... He is made with turtle meat. We all love love you, Gamera. Gamera. Uh... Yeah, and if you get the chance, uh, MST3K should be showing their Gamera Marathon. Gamerathon? I don't know. Gamerathon? Whoa. But yeah, we're going to be talking about a lot of Gamera stuff. We're going to be talking about Ralph wrecking everything. And uh, 
It's going to be fun. That's what we got coming up the next couple of weeks. So if you have any thoughts on these things, please drop us a line at throwdownthursdaypodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up on Facebook in the Facebook group, on Twitter, the Instagram. Uh, I don't know. What the hell else do we have? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the kids do now. I know that. Send a Raven. Yeah, send a Raven. I don't know. Mail us a letter. Just write Castle Wolfenstein in in blood, and it'll get here. (laughs) You write that, throw it in the fire, and it will reconstitute in our mailbox. Yes, because that's how mail works. You have to do the hokey pokey and spin around three times exactly at the end. Uh, I'm tired. I'm, yeah, yeah, I can tell go. you're rambling. We also, uh, like last year, have a fundraiser coming up to support a really great cause. So be on the lookout for more information for that. Yes, I know we've mentioned that we're going to be doing it, but we've... Uh, we're in the process of getting our shit together. We've been so busy. And uh, we have some great things happening for this. So you're definitely going to want to tune in. And you're definitely going to want to check things out when we tell you to check them out. Yeah, and we'll post links and descriptions. Yes. Do some. But this is like a, it's like the teaser trailer for like the real trailer dropping. This is like the teaser trailer for the fundraiser. Yes. We're going to have lots of cool stuff for you to look at. So maybe we'll do a real trailer. And potentially bid on and do some stuff. It's going to be great. Give us your dollars. Fundraiser. So, uh. With that being yeah, said. That, yeah. We will see, see you, you next Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs>